0: Good morning, church. Uh, I'm excited. I'm happy to be here to worship with you all this morning. I hope you all are well. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I I wish that we were doing Palms of the Plots. I wish we were at the Plots and not where we all are this morning. Uh, George pointed out that it's cold and drizzly today, but while I'm wishing, I wish we were at Market plots worshiping, and I wish it were a sunny day, warm, sunny day. Um, for a, a personal reason, I was reminding Don earlier this week that uh, Palms of the Plots was the very first worship service that I ever joined with this church family in worship. I don't think I did anything, I just showed up and worshiped, and we saw a video from earlier. And so it's good memories, and I was really looking forward this year to uh, doing that again for a new year. Um, uh, Another reason that I love Palms of the Plots is that it really makes this scripture passage uh, come to life for me. I think about these people waving palm branches and laying down their cloaks for Jesus, and they're outdoors, and it's springtime, and they're so excited, and I can feel the breeze, and it makes me feel like I'm there. It makes me feel like I'm walking in their shoes. When we sing Hosanna together, all gathered together out there, I feel like we're joining with them. But, you know, uh, we are, as you know, we're doing a confirmation with uh, several of our youth, and uh, one of the things, one of the foundational things that we have been teaching them and that has continued is that when we study the Bible, we're not studying this dead historical document. We're not just trying to, because God's word is alive, because it's, it's breathed by the Lord himself. It's, uh, it's not, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter how things change. God's Word speaks to us where we are, whenever we are. And so, yes, out at market plots, I feel like I can really be in the shoes of those people there in the scripture passage today. But because this is God's living Word, I feel like our unique context this year brings certain things out of scripture that we wouldn't hear, that we wouldn't understand any other time. This scripture passage is for all Christians in all times, but it is also for us in our time. And so I've been thinking about different ways that, that this scripture can come alive to us in this context like it never has before. And the first way that it really comes to life, that we can really walk a mile in their shoes, is that this all feels risky and dangerous. Like never before. And back in uh, the scripture passage today, that's exactly what it was for those people. It was dangerous. You know, Israel in the first century was occupied by the Roman Empire, this empire that seemed to stretch across the whole world, that if you stepped out of line, if you asserted uh, freedom, if you even whispered of rebellion, the empire would crush you, quickly. Jesus was not the first in that time to call himself king. He was not the first that people gathered around, and every time a leader inspired these people, every time they gathered around someone and called him their king, Rome quickly stomped down with that boot and quickly snuffed out what they saw to be a rebellion, what they saw to be a threat. And so, Today, if it feels dangerous and it feels risky and we feel fear, then maybe for the first time we finally understand. Zanna to this king. When it seemed like all of the other forces in the world were so much stronger, they shouted their praise to this king. Now, the less comfortable we are, the more we can relate to most people in Scripture. You know, most of Scripture was written by people who were afraid, who were living day-to-day, not knowing what was coming next. And in Western Christianity, for the last several decades, we've been mostly very comfortable. We've certainly been safe to show up and worship how we please. And so these people, in this act of defiance, in their very hope, saying, Hosanna to the king, We understand them like we've never been able to understand them before. As we've said in our panel the last couple of weeks, we keep coming back to this idea of good news and how it's easier to hear the good news when you're desperately looking for good news. The Sadducees, these elite people in Judea, they had status, they had wealth, they had everything. And Scripture says that they didn't believe in the resurrection Life as it is was going just fine, thank you very much. And so now in this time where it feels dangerous and we feel fear and we worship God anyway, we affirm him as our king anyway, I think we finally understand that part of it. Having hope in Guns's, instead of having hope in our own comfort feels dangerous because it kind of is. It's a risk to have that kind of hope. And speaking of that king, I think that's another thing that we really have in common with these people in this story in the first century is we, like they, want to know what this king is like. What's his heart like? Who is he, really? One of our other readings for today goes into it. This is the uh, letter to the Philippians. As we saw in that wonderful children's video, the interview with the donkey, when a king shows up, you expect him to be riding on a war horse. And if someone shows up on a war horse, that sends the message that this is someone to be feared. This is another message that's dangerous to send in that time because that's what the emperor did. That was his job, to return from battle, from conquest, on his war horse and ride through the streets and get these accolades. And so Jesus does this, but instead of being on a war horse, he's on a donkey, and no one's afraid of a guy on a donkey. And instead of coming in as this conquering king, he comes humble, loving. He comes in lowly. I think I've told this story before, but I I love this one. It's uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu who grew up in South Africa in the time of apartheid, a deep, deep racial... All of society and even the law held you to a different, lower status. So much so that if you were walking down the sidewalk and you were black and a white person was coming towards you, the, the, the black person would be expected to step off the sidewalk into the gutter and allow the white person to pass by above them safely on the sidewalk. And Desmond Tutu tells this story, one of his most formational moments as a child. He said he and his mother were walking down the street on the sidewalk and he saw, they saw a white man coming towards them. And this was an Anglican priest And before Desmond and his mother could step off into the gutter, the Anglican priest stepped into the gutter, walked by below them, walking through whatever it was that was in the gutter, and tipped his hat to Desmond and his mother. And that was so formative because that was such an act of service, but also an act of defiance, defiant hope that... Our hope is not really in grasping as much power as possible, but in humility, having the mind of Christ. We today, just like, just like the people in the first century, those people who said, Hosanna to the son of David, we want to know what this king is like. We want to know what his heart is like. That's what his heart is like. Like that man who stepped down into the gutter, like that, that Christ who, though he was equal with God, did not exploit it but humbled himself. Instead of riding in on a war horse, he rides in on a donkey. And he is so gentle and kind. I'll tell another story, uh, but I, I, I won't tell which of my children this was uh, to protect the innocent, but one of my kids, uh, when they were in preschool... You know, pre-K is, is so much about uh, just civilizing the little kids and teaching them to, to play nice and work along and follow the structure, and so one of our kids um, for a few days had had a trouble resolving conflict in a peaceful way. Uh, he got into a couple of kind of slap fights with, with another student, and so when he came home, we would remind him, we would say, your, your hands are for healing and for helping people and for hugging. They are not for hitting. You have to have safe hands. And we would remind him of that. But then he would go back to school and, and in the heat of the moment when he was having this argument, he would forget and the slapping would begin again. So Chris and I decided, well, we'll try this. We wrote in marker, we wrote safe and hands on his hands, so that when any time he looked at his hands, he would remember what they were for. And uh, that actually, it actually worked, because in the heat of the moment, he would be able to look at his hands and remember what they would what they were for. When we look at the hands of our King, at the hands of Jesus, we look at the marks there, and it's undeniable what his heart is like. Tolkien wrote in his famous Lord of the Rings saga, he wrote, the hands of the king are healing hands and so shall the rightful king be known. For the first time, really relate to the people in this story is the tension that we experience in this time. It's not just a challenging time. It's not just difficult. It's especially difficult because there's so much tension Uh, We have to live as though two things are true in one moment. You know, I read uh, a a good way to remember how we should act to help people when we're out in the community, when we have to go to the store, when we have to go to that doctor's appointment. We need to act as if we're infected so that we can be that careful, that careful of others to make sure that we're, we're not putting anyone in harm's way. We have to act as if we're infected, but we also have to act as if we've never been infected. We have to be that careful of what we touch, of where we go, of what we do, and realize how vulnerable we are. We have to act both of those ways at the exact same time, and that creates so much tension in our hearts. Another thing that causes tension is Uh, The ways in which we're trying to connect, they're wonderful ways. I think many of you have tried Zoom meetings and, and video conferences and conference calls with your Bible studies and other groups trying to stay connected, and it's wonderful. I'm so glad we have that technology and that opportunity, but it also creates more tension. Here's something I read this week that really sums it up for me. He says, It's the plausible deniability of each other's absence. Our minds tricked into the idea of being together when our bodies feel that we're not. Dissonance is exhausting. It's easier being in each other's presence or in each other's absence than in the constant presence of each other's absence. Our bodies process so much context, so much information in encounters That meeting on video is being a weird kind of blindfolded. We sense too little and can't imagine enough. So even when we're trying to connect on these video calls, we feel this tension. But here's the thing. Christians have been practicing living in tension for 2,000 years. We've been practicing it. We were made for this moment. Because... Yes, on Palm Sunday we celebrate that the king is here, we celebrate the king, but we also recognize that we're awaiting that coming kingdom. It's said that this is already but not yet, view of the kingdom. It's already here but at the same time not yet. Feels like it's going to tear us apart. But Christians throughout the centuries have known that the tension isn't going to tear us apart. It's actually going to spring us into action. That's how a spring works. That's how a slingshot works. That's how our muscles burst into action. It's not something to be feared. It's actually potential energy. And it's lived out. I've seen it lived out every day of the last few weeks in acts of love, in people bringing in their food, and people calling to check up on their brothers and sisters in Christ, I am so proud of this church. Because you've taken that tension and leaned into it and made it the potential energy that it is. That it, it drives you into acts of love. The church is really good at this. We've done this for so many years. I brought this up just a few weeks ago, but uh, it wasn't relevant Back then, like it is now, uh, in the sixth century, there was a, a terrible plague in uh, in the Roman Empire, and it's called the Plague of Justinian because that was the Roman emperor at the time. Sorry, second century, and he said um, he was complaining because uh, Justinian really wanted all of these uh, all of these pagan religions and festivals to come back into vogue, but Christianity was growing too fast. And so Justinian complained in a letter to his friend, and he said, these impious Galileans, talking about the Christians, not only care for their own sick, but ours also. That the tension of challenging times, of living in the already but not yet, sprung them into action, into acts of love. And we can and we are living into those same acts of love today, except now we have the capability, we have technology to love our neighbor and to keep them safe. We're able to call and check on people. We're able to help with, with uh, food and with rental assistance and what people desperately need in this time. A few weeks ago, George brought in a big box of toilet paper Toilet paper rolls, and uh, wrote on it, if you need one, take one. And most of those rolls, when he brought it in, because people are taking them as they need them, but so many more people are bringing them in. We are no strangers to tension. And we can live in it, and it can spring us into acts of love. This tension that we feel of already and not yet won't tear us apart. It'll enable us to be the church. It'll enable us to act and love bravely and radically. It reminds us of what our king is like, that he comes in lowly riding on a donkey. It reminds us of what our king has been through for us, how much he loves us, what his heart is like. And it reminds us that no matter how dangerous the times, no matter how dangerous the circumstances, circumstances will change, have changed, are going to change, but God remains the same. His heart is the same, his love is the same, and he will always be faithful. Amen.